Hey everyone, welcome back to Above Board with Canderpath. In today's episode, we welcome back Michael Scott. We also have Matthew Marcoux on the show and we're talking about the impossible nature for one human to know all things finance. So we've learned a lot in our combined 50 years of industry experience, but most of all, we've learned to recognize what we're good at and what we aren't good at. Gents, what do you say? Jump right into it. Let's go. I'm going to jump into it. I think Michael is not good at interior design because I've been (laughs) looking at the gray wall behind his desk now for going on two years. And I just want to personally say, Michael, it is time to throw some art on that wall And we know that you're not going to be interior designer. So I really hope you're good at some of these other things that we're going to talk about today. What do you think? Yeah, that that one caught me off guard. That's what, 16 months, 17, 18 months on a gray wall. I've been in this house. You don't get paid the big bucks. You don't get paid the big bucks to put art on the wall. Okay. Working at home is tough. That was not the job description. We did buy when when you started with us, which uh, congratulations on celebrating uh, one year with Canterpath. When you started with us, I think didn't we buy you a gift card for home goods or something so that you could put decor on the wall? You did, and I bought three candles with it so far. I still have most of that gift card. I well, actually you... went to home goods and looked for some stuff and just you know the selection wasn't great. So here we are. We're still waiting. Well, you can't smell on video, but uh, you know, <laughs> hopefully it smells nice over there. So let's 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 dive right into this topic so i think that you know we talk a lot about um you know how financial planning is a very vast topic it can cover so many different areas of one's financial life and i've always sort of joked with clients especially new ones who are onboarding with us that you're not a good financial planner if all if if the only thing you do is is portfolio management uh and investments but you're also not a good financial planner if that's if, if, well, I kind of butchered that. I don't know. I lost my, I lost my train of thought. Matt, save me. I know where you're going with it. And I, it was sort of what we talked about in the pre-call. You can't be the jack of all trades. And we, we, Michael said, well, then are we the jack of all trades? Cause we actually do everything. And my reaction to that was <clears throat> we have individual jacks, right? So Michael is a jack and I'm a jack and John's a jack. <laughs> this is going even, I think this is going worse than <laughs> go for John. But my point is, let's bring this back in guys, reel this back together is that individually, we have a very great depth of knowledge in our individual fields and that we bring all of this together. Now, back it up even further to this is that it started with a book. And if you if you head over to our website, Canderpath Financial, and you look at the About Us section, you'll notice it, it starts, I think that's the first sentence of our of our bio is it started, started with a book. And it started with this idea that we, that John actually came to the table with is that Maybe these silo financial planning practices, and a silo is defined as a group of financial advisors who just basically are under the same brand, but actually work individual. Is that the right way to go in in building a financial planning practice? Or should you group together individuals who have different skill sets, bring them together and collectively work for the client as opposed to everyone just doing their own thing? And that was really the genesis of financial of, of Canderpath when we started it. And Michael um, being added a year ago was really one of the major cogs in that wheel to make this a smooth running enterprise, knowing that he has a very great depth of knowledge. And one of the most important areas of what we do, which is the, the investment management side of it and bringing that to, with the tax side of it, with the insurance and risk management and cash flow and budgeting side of it. And then bringing all of that together for our clients and everyone working as a collective unit, 
as opposed to individuals. And I think that's kind of where you're going with that, John. Wow. Thank you for saving us. So we got real silly on the pre-call, which uh, lesson learned, never uh, ask these guys to do a pre-call and plan for the discussion. Cause then we, we uh, let the silliness kind of spill over to the first two minutes of, this, of the show. Michael, what, what do you have to say in regards to that? Like, what are your thoughts as you know, you're a year in with us. You're obviously, I mean, you're, you're a decade into the industry now, but you're a year in with us. What are your thoughts on, you know, cause I, again, I, I think from a consumer point of view, outside looking into the industry, you think, oh, that's my financial advisor and that that's my person, but it's really hard for that one person to be able to do every, if you're, I mean, if your life is affected by finances, decisions, both big and small, every, every aspect of your life is. And so it's really hard for one person to be that know-it-all person to do all that. Whereas, you know, we kind of come together and work as a team. Like what, what do you have to say about that? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the, the industry uh, as a whole, like Matt, you, you pointed out that we all started as like a siloed, uh, siloed advisor. So when you come out of college or when you transition into this industry, your number one thing you try to start doing is, is getting clients and you work with your clients and you go to become their, their, their number one um, answer to all their problems because the more important you are to them, the less likely they are to leave you kind of thing. And that kind of breeds closing yourself off, you know, how you're compensated, how your clients work with you, that all gets put into a certain silo. Um, and seeing this, you know, for the past 10 years, seeing different variations of, you know, what you kind of hit on the, like an ensemble practice or a siloed practice or some sort of a hybrid practice. One of the interesting things about it is that when you look at our industry and you look at the, you know, three or four biggest designations in our industry, the CFP, the CFA, the CPA, or the EA, which focuses more on the tax side, those are three massive tests that span if you were to go get them all close to a decade just to get all that itself for one person and then to master all that material and be able to pull it out at a moment's notice and apply it in a perfect format all the time it's just it's a lot to ask for a single person even more so it's a lot to do that repeatedly so maybe maybe you master all that information but you know everything about one client and if you only have one client, that's great. But when you scale that, how do, how do you keep going? And then you throw on top of it, running an actual business. Um, you know, we, we have employees, we have, um, you know, a, a, a building that we, that we run our practice out of, and we have all of these things, we make payroll. So you throw on top of all of that, then the day-to-day -day of just business creation and thinking like a business owner, and it makes it really difficult to be able to pull out of your hat a question regarding taxes and then a question regarding where we're at from a market and then a question about whether you're on the right Medicare plan, it's nearly impossible to do that for a single person. And that's something we identified, I think, really early on was one person can't do this. You, you need a team. And then in order for the team to work, there has to be a collective sharing of the bottom line and, and not to get the our financials into, into this, but that mm -hmm. is a really important component of it is why would a silo, why would an individual advisor help another advisor if at the end of the day, they're not sharing in the, 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 the creation of revenue for, for the firm, right? So that was a big hurdle that we needed to overcome at the very beginning of CanderPath was deciding how does everyone, how is everyone compensated to make sure that everyone throws all hands on deck when we have a client retire? 
Um, you know, we just had a client recently retire early and, and, you know, John was as part of that meeting in, in terms of making sure this client had retired at 60. I think as you listen to this call, you know, that if you retire prior to 60, there's a health insurance issue, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you can't get on Medicare until 65. So we had John on that side We had myself on the retirement planning side. Can, can he actually do this? And then we had Michael on the investment side is okay. If he's going to do this, how do we structure the investments so that they provide support? It took all three of us. Um, and then you throw in the rest of our team with Raina and Mackenzie and Megan, making sure that the the behind the scenes work gets done and that that operational efficiency happens. And this was an all hands on deck for a single client. And you know, again, the client sees maybe my face or sees Michael's face delivering the information, but it's coming from all of us. And and we talk about our clients all the time. And it's a very open atmosphere of us being able to <clears throat> problem solve at the end of the day. Yeah, a couple couple things I wanted to to just mention. So first back to Michael's point, you know, if one person was a, was a CPA, a CFA, a CFP, and had all these credentials, that person would be doing continued education all year round. Like they would have no time to actually be a practitioner and work with and help people. It's a good point, which The knowledge that they spent learning because it's, it's, it's impossible to keep up with all that information. The other thing I'd, I'd like to mention, I'd like to rephrase a little bit of what you said, because you explained it in there, but I think people listening, you guys said the word silo a lot. I think a lot of people can understand, you know, a, a solo practitioner or someone that just, you know, that's it's them and maybe a support staff and they're the advisor and there's no one else at the company. And then people could probably easily wrap their heads around like the ensemble approach where you have this team based approach, but a silo specifically, Matt, you kind of gave the definition of it. Do you mind just saying that again? Yeah, A, a silo is really a group of solos. So, yeah. you know, John just defined solo as an individual practitioner. It's your, your person a group of your persons who just happen to have the same brand and maybe yeah. operate on the same building or have the same business card is a, is a group of solos. And we call that a silo. Um, and these definitions aren't, aren't ours. And by the way, there's no right or wrong here, right? right. There's, there's a lot of ways to do this. We just did research when we were creating Canterpath on what is the best way that we, that works for us. So right. I'm not knocking anyone else's operation, but we just looked and saw, okay, so where, where's the most ideal way to create this? And the ensemble for us was was where we were really attracted to. But to answer your question, John, yeah, a silo is a group of solos. Everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. Yeah, so it's, it's it, let's say, a group of service professionals all underneath one umbrella under the same brand of the same company, but they might all be doing the same thing. There's a lot of duplication in their work. And one of the things that is is very fun about fun might be an interesting word, but like about how we apply financial planning. So to your point, we have a, we have a team of six and whether it's support staff, you know, advising staff, whatever. I mean, we, we really apply everyone's time, effort, and talent for the culmination of delivering a really positive experience for that one client. So one client might, let's say, you know, have Michael as their point person or their lead advisor but that one client throughout the course of the year is going to have interaction and get to know, let's say myself or Matt, depending on what capacity we need to be brought in for. And we do happen to have specific skills uh, and specific knowledge base that we said, hey, listen, you go deep on this thing, I'll go deep on that thing and, and what have you. But what I, what I think has very um, been a fun exercise the last couple of years is we do this thing called an energy audit. 
And the point of our energy audit is to identify what we're calling our zone of genius. Uh, props to David DeSell, who uh, I know listens to the show and has been on the show. He's the reason that we do this. And each year, maybe maybe about once a year, we sit down and we look at what are all the things, you know, we rank them in quadrants, but what are the things that we that we love what we we love what we do and we're good at doing, and then all the way down to the quadrant of the things that we don't necessarily like doing those things and we're we're not we're we're bad at those things. <laughs> and doing that, I think for me, clients have often said to me, wow, I could see your passion. Like I could see like the love that you have for this industry and I can feel the passion, like your enthusiasm for it. I can feel it. And the reason I think that that comes through is because I know every day I get to do my best effort at applying myself in those ones, the things that I love doing and the things that I'm, I'm great at doing. And the, the three of us actually individually did this recently as an exercise and then kind of came together as a team do you guys want to touch on that at all? Because I, I just think that that's like, that's a very fun exercise that makes certain that we're, we're not only applying each other's skill set and we're working together as a team, but we're also focusing on the things that we like doing as a, within our firm. Michael just did his, and I thought it was really fascinating as I read through it was the things that, you know, in that lower right quadrant, if you're thinking of a box is the things I don't like doing and I'm not good at. Two of the things that he put, I think there was three things in there. Two of the things were the areas of expertise that John and I have. <laughs> yeah, and I, yes. I, I don't know if that was intentional. And, and maybe there was obviously some subconscious like, well, I know these guys do this. So I really don't like doing this. And they were taxes and, and risk management planning, which is which is really one of the specialties John has. And uh, so I, I don't know if it was intentional or if it was just convenient that we happen to have those strengths. But I thought that was really interesting when I read yours, Michael. Yeah, you know, there's nothing that makes me cringe more than doing a, a financial planning meeting with clients, especially the first time, and then talking about the insurance risk piece. Because I, I'm here, and I want to talk to you about your plan. I love talking to you about your investments. The last thing I want to do is sell you insurance, but we have to talk about it, right? Um, and, and going in depth into that, I love being able to throw the ball over to John and be like, this is all you, man. You, you get the opportunity to review this more in depth. So it, it kind of worked out perfectly, which was one of the cool things about filling it out as a practitioner and as, as an employee, right? Because on one hand, it's cool as a practitioner to see that the things that I love doing, I'm actively doing, and the things that I don't think that I'm good at and I do not like to do, I'm not doing. So that was kind of refreshing from the beginning to see that that's put there. But then as just as, a, as an employee who, who's worked, you know, for 10 years, being able to sit down and look at your job duties, place them in a, in a quadrant from, you know, you're not grading them from one to 10, but you're identifying the things you like to do and the things you're not, you don't like to do. And given the opportunity to say, hey, can we move this around that better affects the company and better affects me as an employee? Those that's kind of a, a very cool opportunity that I don't think you get in a lot of different places to really sit back and, and give feedback on what your job duties are. And we want to see everyone in our team work in their zone of genius. I mean, as it, taking off the financial advisor hat and putting on the business owner hat, I want to see all six of us doing the things that bring us the most energy because I know we're going to get not only the highest level of productivity. But we're going to have happy people surrounding us and not people who are like, I hate doing this every day. 
if that's the case, there's two solutions. One is there might not be room on the bus or two, we got to rearrange the tasks and make mm -hmm. sure that you're doing the things that are in, in your zone of genius. And I think for us, that feedback as from a business owner standpoint is, is immensely helpful because it really does help shape where, where are our needs and what is missing that we need to be able to add to it. So this, this exercise, and I would encourage everyone to do it, not, not just from a professional standpoint, even from a personal standpoint, is Google zone of genius and, and take a look at the four different quadrants and look in your life, what brings you the most energy and what sucks the most energy out. And then there's two other quadrants in there that are kind of in between things that you're good at and you don't like and things that you are not good at, but you do like, and then figure out where, where are areas of deficiencies and where are areas that you, you really strive in. I, I find that powerful information to be self-reflective. Yeah. I, I was going to say, let's, let's clarify what the four quadrants are, which I think you did. So it's, it's the th things that you love and you're great at. It's the things that you like and you're good at. It's the things that you don't like, but you're, you're, you happen to be good at it. And then it's the things you don't like and you're bad at. And actually what's interesting is one of the first times we did this very, maybe an unconventional way to go about or think about hiring, but it was, it was actually how we've built a couple of different job descriptions is Matt and I looking at this and going like, what, what's in our, in our quadrant four and how can we, you know, how can we uh, deploy help to, to, to help us with that? I really feel like it's, it's an important exercise of awareness. Um, when we first did this, Matt and I's, I, you know, I, I think our, our zones were fairly similar, but I've noticed not a divide maybe, but I noticed over time, we've kind of leaned into it even more. And we, we've, we've very much niched out for ourselves within the company. Like these are the things that we're good at. And these are the things that we love doing. And, and I think for me, it's really great because I can look back at that and, and go like, yes, this is what I want to be doing. This is what I want to do throughout the course of my day. And again, the passion shines through. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah. And I would say the, the, the acceptance of the ensemble practice, whereas before it was an idea on a piece of paper and we were all, let's be honest on in year one of candor path, John and I were doing the same exact things. We were meeting with clients. We were doing the same exact things we had done for the previous combined 35 years. Now we've, we have so much trust in the team and so much trust in each other that John can go off and do the things that are in his zone of genius and not worry about the things that are in that bottom right quadrant of things that he does not like and he's not good at. And, and now we've kind of identified that there are complementary uh, tasks and, and things that, that he and I are doing that are, that are they're complementing each other, but they're on very different areas of the financial planning spectrum. And I think that took time and trust for that, that ultimately to happen. And Michael was a big help there. And, and again, so was the rest of the team. I mean, I can't stress yeah. enough how Mackenzie has stepped into to her role and how Raina has stepped into her role and how, you know, back in the day before it was, it was just John and myself and then the number three hire was, was Megan and, and helping us from an operational standpoint, take care of the things so that we didn't have to constantly think like a business owner. We had someone who handled mm -hmm. all of the operations of the company. It truly is a team effort. But that, but the awareness that point that you made, John, helped us figure out where was the next place we needed to expand our business to, because there's areas that we knew, a we're not good at and we do not like doing. There are people out there that like to do those things, and that are very good at them, and we need to find that that individual. For what it's worth, I don't, you know, 20 minutes into the show, and I realized that this maybe sounds like a big commercial for us, and that's not what this is supposed to be. I think that. 
thinking about uh, any business owner or entrepreneurial person could apply the the energy audit or just, you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that in the service-based field, whether it's financial planning or you're an accountant or wh whatever industry you're in, applying this way of thinking about business is, I mean, for me, I think this is how going forward businesses will, will need to, to operate, working in a very collaborative team-based approach as opposed to the solo or silo. So we're talking about just our industry, but I feel like this applies to many, many industries. I'll let Michael jump here in a second because we yep. haven't heard from him in a bit and we've been dominating this. But the last point I want to make is I, I just listened to our last podcast. I don't know what, what, what number this is going to drop at, but with Lynn Tickner. And I, I took so much away from that podcast. It was fantastic. If you haven't listened to it, go, go back and give it a listen. John interviewed um, Lynn Tickner, who is the owner of, of Ink and Key, which is a marketing and branding company. But it, this is not about marketing and branding. There was one real point that hit home to me as I was listening to it was that we are not the heroes of our own story, right? And so going back to the point that John just made that this is not a big commercial for Canterpath, we were not the heroes here. We want to elevate the client and everything we're doing is, to, is, is for the client. We want the client to be the hero and we wanna be able to, to support that client to make sure that all those different areas that are, that are part of their financial life are firing on all cylinders. And, and that was one thing, as you were talking, John, I was remembering, this is not about us, not about a CFA, not about an EA, not about a CFP. It's about what that brings to the client and how we can elevate the client and make the client the hero of the story, not mm. us. Boy, I think you might've just come up with a new title for the podcast. I was thinking something different, but that was, we're not that was the really hero good. of our own story. I like it. Can, can I ask Michael, can I ask you a question? Great point, Matt. Can I ask you a question, uh, Michael? And it ties in a little bit with what he said. Would you mind explaining, uh, you've done this before, but I think it's it's worth explaining again, the difference between at least like the credentials that you have as an advisor and then, and then the credentials that let's say Matt has or I have and the importance of like a CFA and a CFP and that type of thing. Do you mind just explaining for, a, a, for the audience what those are? Yeah, so I think I'm going to start here because the best way I have to describe it is starting with the CFP. And you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, um, but a, a CFP covers it's five or six different areas that all together all encompass financial planning. There's investments, there's retirement planning, there's tax planning, cash flow and budgeting. Sometimes there's college planning and there's different segments into it, uh, but it's kind of the overarching, how do we plan out someone's financial life? Would, would you guys agree with that from the uh, a 30,000 foot level? Yes. Now, Matt, you have a, an EA designation and I have a, a CFA and my designation is the chartered financial analyst. Essentially what that does is it goes a deep, deep dive into the investment piece that the CFP covers. So a, a CFP knows investments. And John, we talked about this yesterday, a, a CFP as a solo advisor is well equipped to give you investment advice for your financial plan. You, you may not be disadvantaged by only having a, a CFP, but a CFA gives you a very in-depth approach to it and can give very specific tailored advice to different things, can get very granular, can go off into different areas. And really the CFA exam covers 
you know, real estate, equity, fixed income, alternatives, derivatives, accounting, economics, quantitative analysis, and how that all puts together and essentially valuing investments. Um, and that's really where it goes into. And then at the end of the CFA, you, you go through wealth management and portfolio management. And that's where the two dovetail together because understanding going a, going super deep into investments is great but if you can't connect that to someone's financial plan or how it fits into their wealth management perspective it's irrelevant right hmm. it's kind of like having a a great investment advisor and all they do is rack up taxes inside of your individual account or your, your non-qualified account your investment return might be great but you're paying it all back in taxes so it my designation is is really like is really going deep into the investment piece. The CFP touches all these different areas, and Matt, I'll, I'll let you jump in on the EA. But it's really the the tax piece of the CPA exam. Would you agree? Yeah, they're actually going to start arming us. If you've read in the news that all <laughs> EA, no, I'm just kidding. They're not arming us. You're going to go work for the IRS? I heard that. <laughs> yeah, no, we work. We don't work for the IRS. Our job is to navigate that very thin line between tax avoidance and tax evasion. Which, if you heard me talk about it before the difference is 10 to 15 years in prison so we want to practice tax avoidance <laughs> and the ea is someone who's taking that deep dive and using that cfp analogy where you kind of get a little bit of each one or a lot of each one of those areas very much how the cfa goes deep into the investment piece um and ea would go or cpa would go deep into the tax component to, to a client's financial life um, so yeah, that's, that's sort of the same side. It's the same analogy that you've used, but on the tax side versus on the investment side. I keep thinking about what you said where, you know, it's, it's the bringing together this team of advisors to ultimately elevate the client's success story. Like we're, we're not the heroes of the story and we really do, uh, we apply that when, when we're working with, with clients. And I think that that's what makes, I think that's what makes a lot of the team thing work is that we can we can really focus on that and at the end of the day like i know that even even if your schedule is really busy this is to you matt or michael like even if the schedule is busy but i need to bring you in for a client situation there's not there's there's no you're, you're excited to do it for the betterment of the client and there's no this is this is his client or her client or my client or their client type of thing and I think that that's, you know, that's what's really unique about this whole team-based ensemble approach. Matt, do you want to, uh, do you want to bring us home uh, for the I podcast? Do. Any, yeah, any and I don't want to get morbid here, but the last point that I want to make is, <clears throat> is succession planning, right? You have your one person you're working with. Well, you know, and, and we saw this in 2020, and I was asked point blank this question when, when COVID began and and we had a lot of uncertainty around what what happens when you get COVID and do you survive? And and I had a client, um, Ben and Ben and Desiree asked me. They said, Matt, what happens if something happens to you? And and under the silo model or under the solo model, you know, you you lose your practitioner, and you just hope that someone else steps into that role. And I think one of the unique advantages of the ensemble practice is that literally any one of us can step into fill in fill in that role and there's no interruption to the ultimate client so i didn't want to get morbid but one point i did want to make is is another advantage of this is that all of us as we talk about all, the, the client is a client of the firm not not the client of of myself or john or michael it's 
it's a client of the firm. And because of that, we all have a fiduciary duty to make sure that they are always being taken care of. And if one of us goes down, or if it's not even morbid, one of us goes on vacation, um, that mm -hmm. there is always someone that knows exactly what's going on and can fill that role. And so I feel like that's something that gives our clients a huge peace of mind that they're no longer counting on one person. They're now counting on a team of six to make sure that their financial lives are, are being taken care of. So that was one point I wanted to make there at the end. Michael, I'll, I'll hand it up to you. Boy, could yeah. you have made that more, like more dichotomy opposite, by the way? Like either we take a knee or we're gone, we're gone on vacation. Like, well, <laughs> there's only two. In between in life. And it could happen on vacation too. So there's... <laughs> <laughs> which we hope awesome. none of this happens by the way this is very morbid so yeah <laughs> michael please end with something more uh, happier than what i just went no, i i think you guys hit the nail on the head today it, it's not necessarily a it's an advertisement for candor path or who we are you know the the model that we're trying to build here or our building is really centered around improving the lifestyle of the client or continuing yeah. their lifestyle past their retirement and, you know, John, you had the initial title of this art, this podcast, you know, why you need more than one advisor. We've talked about the merits of having more than one advisor, but having multiple advisors in the same office who know you and who know your plan and are able to step in should anything bad happen, but also or go on vacation or go on vacation, but just be able to carry different parts of your financial life. So your one advisor is not doing everything. Uh, it's extremely important. And I think it really allows each person to get a better experience because their advisor enjoys what they're doing. And that points back to the energy audit. You know, all of us enjoy what our role is. And I think that gets us the best productivity out of it, which at the end of the day leads the client to a better life. Mm. I love how you said that. As my daughter would say, teamwork makes the dream work. And I feel like that is a good uh, summary of what you just so eloquently said. Um, well, hey, everyone, thanks as always for listening to us on Above Board with Canter Path. So this whole uh, episode was not a commercial, but this part is. Go to canterpath365.com and listen to us. That's our daily Alexa skill, finance tips, snippets of the podcast, um, you know, just money motivation, money mindset, all sorts of good stuff on there. So canterpath365.com. And we will see you next week on Above Board with Canterpath. See you, everybody.